You are listening to the podcast series for Mission to Amish People. Mission to Amish People is a Christian ministry with a threefold purpose of evangelizing and discipling Amish and former Amish, helping Amish people who leave their communities by helping them transition into the English world, and by presenting the ministry to churches nationwide. You can find out more about Mission to Amish People by going to their website at www.mapministry.org. Today's podcast is part one of four, entitled Amish Ask the English. So, the first one, and the reason you say, why do we have ladies up here? We are going to ask the first question, why do the English women wear so much makeup and jewelry? And since I haul Amish, you know, we talk about this. And I guess the best answer is, um, if the barn needs painting, paint it. It's going to be a revival tonight. Molly's probably going to say because her husband likes it. Um. My answer might have a little more. I don't know. (laughs) But I think one of the things in the Amish culture that you aren't exposed to much is art. Um, I don't think you have much art on your walls or, I mean, I'm pretty sure of that, although I don't have a lot of exposure in Amish homes. It's just not something that's, well, there are some people that are artists. And, you know, I consider myself to be an artist and... um, Part of how I present myself is a canvas, which sounds kind of weird, but um, how I present myself is important to me, and um, I consider a lot of things to have beauty in the natural world, and it excites me. You know, I, I really like to look at trees and, you know, those kinds of things I kind of interpret into my life. It's, I can see some artists here. I understand. And, you know, if you're an artist, you might be an artist in music. Um, one of my venues is photography. And I will go around and try to capture things, you know, that I consider beautiful and save them that way. I don't know if that makes sense to you, but part of the English world is art. Okay, anybody else want to have any comments? Amen. Some of us in the English world are much like you in the Amish world. We do things because we really uh, have never thought about them. And I was thinking about here as we were asked to come up here about and read that question. Is It's a little girl that asks her mother uh, at Thanksgiving time or Easter time why she's cutting the ends off the ham. And the mother says, I don't know, mother always did that. So they call up her mother and says, why would you cut the ends off the ham? Well, because grandma always cut the ends off the ham. So they call up Grandma. She's still alive and want to know why she cut the ends off the ham. She says, well, I had a pan that would take a small ham, so I had to cut the ends off to get it to fit. So many times in the English world, we're just doing things like the Amish did. Everybody else did it it that way. I believe my wife would attest to this. Even though I'm English, have always been English, and as far as I know, there's no Amish in my background, I lived very much like an Amish person. Now, yes, it, we had uh, tractors, uh, uh, but as far as adornment and jewelry and such, in my family, being English, um, my father very much did not approve of that. 
And I remember one time an older sister of mine wanted to get her ears pierced. And my father about had a cat or a conniption or whatever you want to call it. And so that was not allowed in ours. So when I met my wife, being the artistic person that she is, appealed to me. And so I guess you would see it going from one extreme to the other. Um, and, and so it was a night and day difference. Okay, next. <clears throat> Excuse me. Why do English churches put the American flag inside the church house and then pledge allegiance to the flag? How does that all relate to God? And if anybody was listening this morning, I think you should have an answer. Anybody listening this morning here on the panel? He wasn't, he wasn't here. <laughs> Certainly, as a kid growing up, through the public school system, um, we did the Pledge of Allegiance and so, uh, and I don't recall that our church had an American flag, but I believe it did now that I think about it. But it was a combination of, of an identity of, first of all, Christians, and then secondly, because of the country we lived in, it was an identity of, uh, of, a, of where God put us. And the fact that our forefathers, the, uh, the principles that obviously were discussed this morning, but also that we learned as kids growing up, whether it be the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, things like that, the flag was that symbol that uh, sort of brought us together or, or held that in a central theme. Keep it? All right. <clears throat> um, I think some of it is just a, in a large part, tradition, and I, and I think you find even in many other countries where there is a a love and respect for their country, and, and you see that even in the display of that flag of, of that particular country and that church. And I'm sure some of that's tradition, and but we can respect that and enjoy that. And we understand, too, that in, in this country especially, we can enjoy the freedoms that this country has afforded us as a grace of God through that country that we can freely worship. And and I, I remember hearing many years ago, is that me ringing? I remember hearing many years ago, it was a radio station, and they were interviewing or talking about a Muslim man, and uh, who also, I knock on wood, was a, an American, and he said, I'm a Muslim first, and the radio host was referring to that, and he says, you know, uh, uh, something to the effect of, though I disagree with his position, he's right, he was a Muslim first, and I look at that, and he reflected on that, that the radio host said, I'm a Christian first. And that must always be true. And, and I love this country and all that I am afforded in freedom of this. But I, but I have to be a Christian first. My allegiance must and always rest in God. And any time I can do whatever I can for this country in support of that, I will. But there comes a point when I draw a line and should, should the rubber meet the road and I must decide. I must always side with Christ. Number three. I, I just want to, um, have any of you ever been in a public setting where we pledged allegiance to the flag and someone did not stand and did not do that? How many have ever been there? Are, are you respectful of those people? Do we have the freedom to do that? Are you respectful of them? <laughs> Some of you went, oh, no, let's shoot them publicly. <laughs> now, here's what I want to say to you. I believe in the country as long as we follow God and we do the right thing. If my country turns away from Scripture and makes it illegal, I'm going to sit and pledge allegiance to nothing, okay, because my allegiance is first to my Heavenly Father. Now, I'll die for the flag as long as we got something to die for that's true, okay? I'm not going to die for something. A nation that goes awry, and the reason I'm supportive and we have our flag out there and we're probably pretty pretty big, a lot of people call us extremists here. Um, as long as we have the Constitution based on biblical principle, I'm going to pledge right. We walk away from that, I don't pledge, okay? Because my first allegiance is to who? 
to God. But I wanted to say this. I went to school with a young man that was a Jehovah's Witness, and we tried to witness to him for many, many years, and he never stood in class and, sh- and said the Pledge of Allegiance. And he went through public ridicule for that. I chose not to ridicule him. I chose to respect him. He's a human being. He has the right to say yes or no. Amen? It's like we do with people, you know, when they, when they vote. You know, we like, hey, did you vote? Yeah. How did you vote? And they tell you how they voted, and then you scold them. You know, you're like, you bad person. Okay, next time I won't vote. And about 50% of the Christian community didn't vote in the last election. I'm not going to say any more. Read number three. Why do Christians go to war when Jesus said to turn the other cheek? That's a good question. And, and I think you have to understand a little bit in, in the context of what Christ was saying and understand the difference between uh, a, a social responsibility or a personal responsibility, I should say, and a civil responsibility. Um, you know, Jesus' words were to individuals. And we understand that. We also realize that we are, and God has instituted government. A government will always exist. No matter where you are, government exists. It will exist. It must exist. Um, even if you go to a place that has no government, the government allows us to have certain freedoms that without which we would, we would, uh, we would feel free and have none. Is that better? Um, you know, we understand, you know, the, the freedom, the laws that we have allow us to be able to walk away from our belongings every day and go to work and know that they will be, still be there when we get back. But that's law. That's government. And, and the government, one of its responsibilities is, is to be able to defend us as a nation, to be able to go out and, and defend us from those that are on the outside. And, and so that's very different than my response to an individual as an individual when, when I am attacked, when, when something is going on there. And even then... The government in, in a local government has a police force in which can respond to that, that we are a, a, a nation of law. So I see that as very different, but at the same time, I need, to be, I need to weigh my personal response very, very carefully in the things that I do and how I respond to that. But, but that's how I think I would respond to that. So. This is one of my favorite questions to talk about. Um, how many believe the whole Bible? Four of you. That's great. We're so glad to, that you're at a conference like that. Do you think that God called the children of Israel to war? Why? Okay, so they were threatened by cultures that did not believe in Yahweh. Now, here's what we get. We have what, what's called, and I love you people. I'm not here because I have to be here today. I'm here because I want to be here, okay? I love the people of God, but we have what's called today selective Christianity. It's called buffet Christianity. We go to the, to the buffet and we take this one and we leave that one and we take this one and we leave that one. I, I'm not a buffet Christian. I believe in the whole counsel of God. <laughs> I believe all 66 books. And they, they blend together in, 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 in an accordion-like faith. Okay, so when you pull that accordion apart and then you push it together, you can, you can play some beautiful music. I don't understand all of the mind of God, but I know this. We had a, a God that declared war on the world when, when Satan invaded his people. Okay. Um, and he shed blood in a, in a ram to cover their skin. And he called the children of Israel to war against paganism. Now, I don't like that, but he told them to wipe out nations. And, and God even told them to wipe out children and women to protect the seed and the land. Now, Jesus came along, and I, believe, I, I agree with my brother over here, and he, he didn't bring a different message. He, he brought a message of love and hope uh, to a world that was very, very confused. How many believe in the book of Revelation? Do you see war there? Who's doing the war? Jesus is. 
The very Jesus said, turn the other cheek, go the extra mile, give them your, when they ask for, you know, their shirt, give them your coat too. All that, that, that same balance, you have to have balance in there. So God begins with declaring war on those that are opposed to him. Yes, he brings a message of mercy and grace and peace, and we appreciate that. But I'm going to tell you what, if you read the end of the book, it's really bloody. It's really, it's really battle. Okay, and the very Jesus that some people want to take this little slice and Jesus said, oh, no, 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 don't do that. Okay, that that's one piece of God, but it's not all of God. You have to have balance. The book ends with the Lamb of God riding like a conquering general. Okay, with his armies behind him. And by the way, we're not going to be shooting guns. Okay, he's going to do all the fighting and we get to watch. But you have to take the whole scriptures in balance. Now, that also doesn't mean that just because we're underneath governments that our governments always make the right decisions. But it's not good. I don't think it's healthy for Christians to say God is, is not a believer in conquering armies because he's the one that called a lot of conquering armies to conquer, okay? And one day we're going to be on the winning team, amen? Okay. We're on the winning team, but I mean, when we get to the end of the show, I mean, whew, bam. So it, it's a real, it's a, it's a matter of balance, folks. And, and I think we have to be really guarding today that we're, ne- we're needing to balance our Christian faith and our churches, okay? I, I do a prayer breakfast every year. I just really quick want to tell you this story. And I had no idea when I first started this what churches believed, I really didn't. I was really ignorant, and I just believed if you're going to pray, pray. So I called this one guy up and said, hey, would you come and pray for the military? And he goes, yeah, yeah. So at the prayer breakfast, he goes, dude, dude, don't you know that I pastor a pacifist church? And I'm like, what? He goes, I'm going to do this today, but only one time. You know, I'm going to get a lot of flack from this. And I'm like, pacifist, okay. Duh, okay, so, oh, okay, so you can't pray for the military? And he's just like, you know, people are going to talk. And I said, hey, dude, here's the option right now. Do you want to pray or not? Yes or no? He goes, okay, I'll do it. I said, great. So he prayed. As a pacifist pastor, he prayed for the military, which the goal was do what? Pray for the military. That didn't mean we agree with everything. We're just praying for people in uniform, amen? And we got it, but, you know, sometimes you, you, even in good, in good taste, we, we tend to want to put people in holes, peg them in holes, and, and I think we need balance. Take the whole counsel of God. You know, he's talking. I look down on the. I have all these notes. I didn't look at any of them. I don't know why. Um, but but in adding to that, you know, Ecclesiastes three eight, you know, talks about there's a time for peace, but a time for war. But but I think another thing that sometimes we struggle with in turning the other cheek is we we have to understand that God doesn't. You know, we look at a Romans twelve and God says, "Vengeance is mine; I will repay." And the saints in in Revelation stand at the throne and cry out, "How long, O Lord?" And we have to understand that as we are wronged, God says, "But I will exact justice for your wrong." but let me do it. You turn the cheek, but I never will. And for those of us who are even fellow believers, we don't look forward, we can look backwards. And, and God says, yeah, I paid for that too. I take that very seriously, but that justice has been exacted back there at the cross. It's already been nailed. And I found it so important that, and I didn't just overlook it. I put it on the very shoulders of my son. And, and so, you know, we have, to, we have to keep that in mind too. That keeps us from being bitter and angry at the things that have happened to us because we know that either God has already paid for it or he will exact his justice in the future. But justice will be done. Thank you for listening to this podcast series. Check out Mission to Amish People online at www.mapministry.org or keep up to date with us on Facebook and Google+. Thank you again and have a blessed day.